Welcome to the Fuel Her Awesome Show. I'm your host, Jess. I'm a wife and a mama, and I'm juggling work and misbehaved dogs, but they're really cute. (laughs) I'm a sports dietitian and empowered eating coach. I am absolutely obsessed with nutrition science and helping you crank up the volume on your body's biofeedback. Let's pivot your relationship with your food and your body from doubt and distrust to a confident bond that can weather the seasons of life as we discover the healthiest version of you with Empowered Eating. What's up, awesome? I'm so glad you're here. I hope you're enjoying the summer. Me and my family sure are. We have been camping like crazy. I'm so excited. We are likely going to break our camping record this year. My husband and I are loving it. My boys are like starting to lose interest, (laughs) but we're like, you will love this. You will remember this when you're older. One of the ways we've lured them into continuing our camping crazy is by allowing them to take their pet hamster with us. So we have Marcel, the dwarf hamster that comes camping with us in the other morning. My little boy literally woke me up and I sleep with an eye mask on. So he came up to me and he's like, mama, he taps my shoulder and I lift my eye mask up and there is a rodent in my face. (laughs) So, oh man, we are making some good memories. But I got to tell you guys, last year I went camping and I went, it was just me and my boys with some of my sisters and we did not take our camper. So we were camping in a tent. This is the first time I've camped in a tent in a while. So my bouginess had to take a back seat for a second. So I'm sitting in the tent, or I'm in the tent, and I've got my two boys and my new dog, Whiskey. And I'm thinking like, you know, this isn't so bad. This is kind of nice. And all of a sudden, I hear this rustling outside the tent. And it shot my heart rate through the roof. Because now I'm like, oh my gosh. I am here in a campground with my most precious cargo in this paper thin contraption and there is a bear outside my tent. I was absolutely terrified. I had my new dog, Whiskey, and I'm like, okay, Whiskey, start growling. You know, I kind of wake him up and I'm like, maybe he'll smell it. Well, sure enough, like he gets up and starts sniffing towards the edge of the tent, but he doesn't start growling. He just kind of like sniffs and then comes back and lays next to me. I'm like, all right, you doodle. You are not, you are not a guard doodle apparently. So I'm just laying there heart pounding and I can hear this animal outside my tent. And I go, okay, I have two options here. I can like one, wait for the bear to attack me, (laughs) which is, you know, where my extreme brain goes. Or two, I can like shake the tent and see if I can get it to run off. And then I can peek outside or peek through the window with a flashlight to see if I can see what this is. Because, you know, in my head, I've made up my mind that it's a bear, but it might not actually be a bear. And if I think a bear's outside my tent, I'm not sleeping. So we can just kiss my sleeping goodbye for the night. And I didn't want to do that because, you know, camping with kids is hard and I need energy the next day. So I finally like rustle the edge of the tent and I hear this animal scurry off. It's big. So I'm going, it has to be a bear. It's not a mountain lion. They're so quiet. You know, you know what they say about mountain lions, right? You may not have seen them, but they've seen you. Ooh, so creepy. So I'm like, okay, it's not a mountain lion, but it sure sounds big. It's got to be a bear. I unzip the tent. (laughs) I wish somebody could have seen me. I was so scared. I like peek my little head out with my flashlight. I have this giant flashlight and start scanning the area. And I see it, the animal culprit. And it is a deer. It is not a bear. So my heart rate goes back down. I'm laughing at myself going, I cannot believe I worked myself up so much for this. I ended up calling it the killer deer. (laughs) It was harmless. I had created something in my mind 
that really wasn't that big of a deal. And instead, I could have appreciated it and thought, how cool, there's deers feeding outside my tent. So I share this story with you because oftentimes what we make up in our minds about the number we see on the scale is so much bigger. We view it as dangerous, as threatening, as something harmful when it's really not what it seems. We take that number on the scale and turn it into a dangerous bear outside our tent when it really is just a deer snacking away outside of our tent. So today I'm going to be talking about five things that we interpret as weight loss or weight gain and get worked up in our mind about and what's really happening biologically in our body or externally with the scale and how we can diffuse some of the charged emotion we feel with the scale. Today's episode is brought to you by Studio 410. Are you a boss babe with absolutely no design skills? Girl, me too. (laughs) That's why I had to hire someone. If you're tired of wasting your precious time trying to save your business from looking like a hot mess, Kelsey Lensmeyer from Studio 410 is your girl. Kelsey is completely obsessed with turning small or home-based businesses into full-blown brands that are not only easy on the eye, they will totally stop potential customers in their tracks. Maybe you're just starting out and need a brand in a box, or perhaps you're ready to level up with a completely custom brand and website. No matter your budget, Studio 410 has as an option for you. Ladies, even if you're not totally sure what you're looking for, let me tell you from experience that Kelsey will help you figure it out. Set up a coffee date with her, whether it's in person or virtually, one convo with her, and she will help you clearly map out your branding needs and get you set up. Guys, she set up my brand. If you've seen my logo, it is so me <laughs> to the nut. I mean, it's a coffee ring. I don't think I own anything like my sheets have a coffee ring on them right now. <laughs> she knows me. She figured me out and she created a brand that is me. And I know you guys will be the same. View all of her branding options or schedule with Kelsey at studio410.com. That's studio, S-T-U-D-I-O, F-O-U-R, 10.com. Thanks, Studio 410, for sponsoring today's episode. Let's go ahead and dive in. I would say, I would take a guess that almost Every single person here listening has had some sort of emotional reaction to the scale at some point in time. It's almost like, unfortunately, like a rite of passage as a female to have this weird relationship with that number. And I think it's because my my personal take on it is because it changes so much throughout the course of our life. You know, we go through puberty, it shoots up. We're like, what is happening? And then if we have a baby, it's very confusing because it's supposed to go up, but you know, not too much. There's all these parameters around it. And then after having a baby, there's a social pressure to like get back to pre-baby weight really fast when it, you're like at the most fatigued time in your entire life. <laughs> and, and then beyond that, we're constantly having hormone shifts. We start to go into menopause, we're in perimenopause, and there's a lot that's happening. So I think In our bodies, biologically, a lot is happening. And when we don't understand it, we can internalize the changes as something that we are doing wrong. So I'm really excited to talk about this today because I think it's going to help you diffuse some of the charged reactions you have when you step on that scale. But before we do, I want to talk about some signs that you are carrying shame or maybe you have too much of an emotional charge around that number on the scale. Because I work with a lot of people and they're like, oh, no, I'm fine with the scale. And then they get on it and they do not react the way they expected. So here are some signs that you have too much 
emotional charge behind the scale. So if you get on the scale and you feel the need to remove everything from your body that you possibly can without getting naked, that's a sign that you're putting too much weight on the weight, (laughs) pun intended. So I mean like taking your rings off, your jewelry off, your earrings. I mean, friends, I know we're trying to like control that number, but your earrings are not going to change the scale. But if you feel that urge to do that, that's a sign you're putting too much emphasis on the number on the scale. Another indicator is that you feel like you have to explain your weight to the person taking your weight. Like, oh, I just ate or I ate breakfast today, so it's probably going to be up. I can tell you right now as a healthcare provider, when I weigh someone, I I hope people ate breakfast. <laughs> you know, I hope they're hydrated. And explaining that, what that lets me know is that there's some insecurity and shame attached to the number, like feeling like it's not going to be good enough. Some other indicators are going to be that the number bothers you or it's sitting in your brain stirring around for more than 10 minutes after getting off the scale. And then lastly, it creates the itch to start dieting. It's like it starts to trigger that urgency like, oh, I got to do something. I got to do something. And, you know, I want to differentiate here because in some ways, our weight is biofeedback, like it is a measurement that we can look at. But when it stimulates urgency, instead of just giving us information, that's where we might need to take a step back and look that we have too much emotion wrapped up in that scale. So let's talk about five ways we misinterpret that number as weight loss or weight gain that are, it's actually messing with our head and it's not accurate information. So number one is not acknowledging that the scale fluctuates or not accepting scale fluctuations. Any given woman at any point in her cycle has a five to 10 pound weight fluctuation within a day. This was one of my favorite experiments. I actually went throughout the day measuring or weighing myself about every hour on different scales at different points, like before I ate, after I ate, before I went to the bathroom, after I went to the bathroom. And it was crazy to see how much fluctuation took place in a day. And I graphed it out and I love showing this to clients because it shows just how dynamic our body is. The most fascinating part about this is even though I had about a seven pound change over the course of a day, The next morning I woke up, it was within half a pound of what it was the day prior. So that daily fluctuation is not something that accurately represents what our weight is at. I have many clients that weigh themselves at various times throughout the day thinking that they've gained weight or the weight is beyond what what feels comfortable simply because they drink water. And that is a distorted view of that number. So we really want to respect the fact that your weight's going to fluctuate anywhere from five to 10 pounds over the course of the day. So if you weigh in the afternoon, expect it to be higher and not internalizing that as something is going on in your body or something's malfunctioning in your body. Number two is comparing one scale to another. When we weigh on one scale and then weigh on another, it's very, very realistic that we're going to get two different weights. It is not comparing apples to apples. It's comparing apples to oranges. So we cannot make accurate assessments of what's happening with our weight if we're comparing two separate scales. I do this a lot when I weigh my clients in my office. They'll come in and, you know, if we if we weigh them, I don't weigh everyone, but if I weigh them and they see it was different from their scale at home, it's like they're stumped. They're like, well, it wasn't that at home. 
And I'm going, of course it wasn't. You know, I, the weight you have at home is irrelevant to me because I only compare weights on this scale. Like we can only gather accurate data points and make assessments and trends over time using a singular scale. So assume if you weigh on two different scales, if you weigh at the gym and at home, you cannot compare those two. They're different. It's different measurements and data points that cannot be compared. Number three, now this one's kind of tricky because sometimes we do use this as a biofeedback mechanism to understand what's happening in our body. But I think I like this one because I think we have to remember when we look at things like this, we have to hold it up against the backdrop of all of our biofeedback and think of our health in big picture. So a lot of times people interpret clothing feeling tighter or looser. We, we can attach like <laughs> uh, positive or negative descriptors to that. So like I, my pants are getting tighter, therefore I must be gaining weight. Or my pants are getting looser, so therefore I must be losing weight. Now this is true to a certain point, and it is a piece of a tool we can use to measure you know, what's happening within our body and interpret that biofeedback. However, again, we have to look at a big picture because if we look at any of these in like a singular space, it can be misleading. For example, I've had these workout shorts that I wear every summer. I love them. And I have a few of them in one size and a few of them in another size. Now, the bigger size is what I wore when I was pregnant. And I never got rid of them, even though they were big on me a few years ago because I invested in them. And I just, I don't know. I was like, I like them. Who knows? Maybe maybe I'll wear them again one day. Well, this summer, I pulled out all my shorts and those smaller sizes, ooh, did not fit. <laughs> I mean, it was like pulling on underwear. The larger sizes, the ones I wore while pregnant, fit great. And if I were to take that as a single data point, I could easily start spiraling and say, oh my gosh, I'm in a bigger size, what's happening? But I had to take a step back and remember, why might I be in a larger size short? Well, I've been doing a squat program the first half of this year and dramatically increased my lower body strength. Yeah, my clothes are going to fit a bit different. So I think when we look at some of these biofeedback metrics, you know, looking at whether it's the weight or changes in our clothing, we have to hold it up against the backdrop of everything going on. So in the case of my shorts, sure, they're fitting tighter. And initially I might think that means my body has changed and gotten bigger. And old narratives can come in saying that that's a negative thing. But if I can stay neutral about it, I'm able to see why I might be fitting in a larger size and evaluate if that's something that I feel good about, you know? And the reality is I do because I feel stronger and I feel more energy. And when I'm working out now, I feel so awesome. So why would I let a change in clothes challenge that? Okay, so we've got three so far. Um, Number four is your PMS week. Oh, let's talk about PMS. (laughs) So much to talk about here. Mm. Understanding your cycle is so powerful. But one of the things that happens when we are in that 7 to 14 days before we start our period is that our uterus actually tilts a little bit. When it tilts, it can push your intestines forward, giving you this appearance of bloat or, you know, I've heard all the different names, Buddha bellies, bellies, cookie jars, whatever you want to call it. But we have a physiological change that happens in our lower abdomen. So many women interpret this as weight gain. But I'm here to tell you today, my friend, nothing is happening 
that isn't supposed to be happening in your body. This is the natural part of the cycle. Our body does shift and change and present differently depending on where our hormone cycle is at. This was so giving when I understood this. Fortunately, I learned this early on. I wish every single teacher would teach this. If you're a teacher, please tell the girls who are going through puberty that this is normal and this happens. Our body is constantly in a state of change. It's never stagnant. And when we understand what's happening with those changes and we can explain the why, we don't have the option to internalize it as something negative happening with our body. I think that's so powerful. Tell everyone, every woman you know, let her know this is what happens. The fifth is digestion. I have many clients, especially younger ones, who say that, you know, I wake up with my stomach looking a certain way and by the end of the day, I'm bloated and it just looks different and I don't like it. Now, there is some degree of bloating that we can work on and a lot of that has to do with making sure we're eating adequately, we're spacing our meals out throughout the day, we're getting adequate protein, a balance of fiber. I mean, this is a lot of the stuff we cover in the Empowered Eating Method. We work on balancing out nutrition, keeping blood sugar, you know, at a happy place throughout the day. Those sorts of things set up the basics for adequate nutrition. You can also add in some probiotics if you're having gut issues. I never recommend probiotics if your poop is happy and your stomach is happy, but if you're experiencing bloating and bowel movements are off, probiotics can be a great addition. You guys can find my favorite. It's on my website. It's called Sun Fiber. It is a fantastic pre and probiotic that really helps normalize some of that bloating. So when it comes to changes in our belly throughout the day, there's some degree that, yes, we can work on and we can mitigate some of that bloat. But on the flip side, it is normal for our stomach to work during the day because that's when we're feeding it. When you wake up in the morning after a period of not eating, your intestines are about the diameter of a dime. Then when you start to eat, they expand to the diameter of a quarter. This is increasing the surface area of your intestines so it can grab more nutrition from your food. So cool, right? But that's more space. That's more expansion within our torso that we're going to probably see as the day goes on. Beyond that, we have our stomach pouch and when we're sleeping, it's dormant. There's not a whole lot going on other than like cleaning your digestive tract. But when we eat, there's so much going on. We've got bile acid pumping in. We've got acidic chyme churning in our stomach. Can you see I'm like getting on my nutrition nerdy side? But there's so much happening in there. And when there's movement and shifting of fluid, you better believe there's going to be a little bit of expansion. So I think getting this understanding and almost appreciation for digestion and what happens when we feed our body can give us some grace and some ability to be flexible with what's happening in our stomach as we go throughout the day. So if you end the day and your stomach does not feel the same as when you woke up in the morning, good. That means you fed your body and we would not have it any other way. Okay, so let's recap. So five things that many of us misinterpret as weight change when really it's just normal is number one, Scale fluctuations, so the fact that we change throughout the course of a day. Any woman is going to fluctuate between 5 and 10 pounds during the day. Number two, comparing one scale to another and not having what I call scale hygiene. Number three, misinterpreting clothing changes. Number four, not taking into consideration PMS week. And number five, not understanding digestion. So now that we've cleared those up, 
This gives you some space to have less reaction when you see that number. But here's the thing. I actually want to give you permission to take it a bit farther. I'm a big believer that you do not need the scale. You do not need the scale because there are so many other biofeedback mechanisms that you can use to give you feedback about what's happening in your body, the health status of what's going on, and things that are less emotionally charged. This is a lot of what we work through in the Empowered Eating Method. In one of the modules, I have a list of different things to choose from, but I have every student identify five biofeedback markers that they can look at to determine, like, you know, am I on the right track or do I need to reevaluate? And not a single one of them is allowed to be the scale. This is something I really believe to my core. And I believe it because I've lived it. You know, to this day, I do not own a scale. I only weigh myself when I'm at the doctor's office and I get a chance to practice some of my neutrality around that number when I do that. But I don't think it is a helpful or productive use of my energy to look at what's happening on the scale. If my weight's going up, I'm going to know it. Like, I'm going to feel it. I don't need a number to tell me that. And the number only distracts me from doing the things I want to do to take better care of my body. I've seen it over and over again with clients who feel that they really, you know, they're like, I feel I'm neutral about it. And then they get on and it typically does one of two things. If the number is what they would like it to be, like let's say it's going in the direction they want it to go, it almost like presents with this you've arrived feeling like, oh, congrats, like you've done it. And sometimes that decreases our motivation to keep doing the work. So it presents with this, okay, I've made it fallacy and decreases our action. And then we end up like actually losing all the the progress or the traction we had already made. So that happens or it's a number that we don't want to see and it ignites all the shame talk, like the, the shame, the feelings of failure, the not enoughness comes up because we have such a deep attachment to that number. So I'm a big fan of just stepping back and not weighing yourself. If you're like, Jess, I don't know if I can do that. I get it. I have lots of clients who still weigh themselves. It's funny. They're always like, I don't want to tell you that I'm weighing myself. (laughs) I have no judgment, guys. I really don't. Even though I have opinions, I still have no judgment. And I completely respect that each individual is on her own journey. And if your journey involves a scale, cool. But here's the thing. If we're going to use that number as a biofeedback marker, we have to weigh fairly. So I am a huge advocate for if you are using the scale, make sure you are implementing scale hygiene, which means using the same scale, same time of day. Let's have a a system on how we weigh in. You know, maybe we pick a day of the week. Never do we weigh reactively. And, and what I mean by that is like feeling like, oh, I don't feel good in my body. I'm going to weigh and see where I'm at. Like that is a dangerous slippery slope. And we graph it. So that way we can look at it over time instead of getting hung up on the single data point. Because that goes back to point number one, right? Where our weight fluctuates over the course of the day. And if we don't look at it over time, we're not getting an accurate picture of what's happening. So, okay, so that if you still want the scale in your life, I promise I still, I'm here for you and I'm gonna cheer on feeling you're awesome with or without the scale. Although I do wanna invite you to consider what life would be like without it. But here is my takeaway challenge for you today. Whether you are using the scale or you've said goodbye to it for the time being, here's what I would like you to do. Can we try using neutral descriptors when it comes to our body size shape, or weight. So instead of saying, this is good, this is bad, I don't like my weight, it's too much, it's too little, could we use neutral descriptors? So for example, my body is full, 
My body is fluctuating. I'm observing the trend. My body is reacting or processing the weekend. My body is working on building strength. So more objective and neutral descriptors instead of this positive or negative or polarizing descriptor of what's happening with our body. Here's why. Because yes, I get it. Sometimes our body does things we don't want it to do. It loses weight, it gains weight, and we don't like it. Okay, I'm not here to convince you to not like it. What I am here to say is that we can use this information as information and have less emotional attachment to it so we can actually do something about it. This is at the heart of empowered eating is we learn to interpret biofeedback and use that to dictate and guide what's coming next instead of implementing food rules and shame to drive change, which we know never lasts, right? (laughs) It has to be something that we believe in, that we know how to navigate. And this is also what makes empowered eating sustainable. Because now at any given point in your life, you can see what's happening in your body. And instead of getting an urgent and fearful and emotional reaction to it, you can listen and learn. I'm a big believer that your body is not something to be fixed. It is something to be understood. And we do that with biofeedback. If you guys are looking for more support on that, I would love to see you inside the Empowered Eating program. We go through 12 weeks of how to become an empowered eater, covering your values, getting clear on how health supports your values, or maybe health is a top value, all the way through biofeedback, interpreting your menstrual cycle, your bowel movements, into fuel planning. Like what does your body truly need when it comes to nutrition, from day-to-day stuff, before and after a workout, through the course of hormone changes, we cover it all. And all my students inside Empowered Eating have access to discounted one-on-one sessions with me because I get it. I can give you the blueprint, but if you get stuck or you need accountability, there is another layer that is needed. And I, I love connecting with the students inside that program. So if you're in there and you're needing some support, snag that discounted session with me. I cannot wait to connect with you. And this week, let's work on those neutral descriptors when making observations or evaluating our body, our weight, anything that's changing. Yeah, let's get neutral about it. And I cannot wait to hear how it changes things for you. I think you'll be surprised how it very quickly dissolves shame and keeps you in this space of curiosity instead of judgment, allowing you to move forward and continue to feel more and more empowered in all of your eating and exercise choices. Let me know how it goes. I hope you have an awesome day. Cheers, friend, and happy eating. Gosh, I'm so glad you joined me today. If today encouraged you, would you take a minute and encourage me by leaving a review for the show? I read every single one of these reviews and your words, they mean so much to me. This podcast is here to support you weekly, but it only scratches the surface. To learn more on how you can become an empowered eater, snag my free workshop, how to eat intuitively and hit your goals without obsessing over food at jessbrownrd.com. Don't forget to join me right here next Monday where I cannot wait to fuel your awesome. Cheers, my sweet friend, and happy eating.